Welcome to When Pigs Fly. We're a podcast that's uncovering Cincinnati's rich business history dating back from the 1800s to today. We talk to companies to learn the ups and the downs of entrepreneurship, what it takes to grow a successful business, and to simply prost to future innovation. I'm one of your co-hosts, Allie Martin. And I'm your other co-host, Patrick Bailey. And today, we will be talking with Allison Schroeder, and she is the owner, founder, spearheader of Palm Communications, which is a PR agency here in Cincinnati, but she's really truly more than just a PR agency. She does a lot of experiential work. Um, she works with a lot of media outlets. She does a lot of strategic planning uh, and a lot of things, Patrick, that I'm sure you're probably like, what are we talking about? Exactly. I'm excited to learn more again about your world. Uh, <laughs> and you could probably even enlighten me right now. What the heck is these experiential yeah. work marketing things? Well, it's yeah, good. Good question. Well, this actually even kind of goes back to when Alice and I, Allison and I met because I met her when I was producing events. Speaking of experiences, to get to your question, at City Beat, and we had that in common. So we were networking, and I'm sure she'll probably talk about that networking. What it takes. I do miss networking. Networking, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Putting yourself out there, taking every meeting and every every conversation. But when it comes to the experiential side of things. Things. It's producing events that, um, it, or it, I mean, think about even the pandemic, all of those uh, mm. Zoom Zoom events or whatever it might be, the, the in-person interaction. How is your brand interacting with your audience? That's, that's mm. what that means. But she really specializes on the event side of things, and I think she'll have a lot of fun things to say about that. Ooh, I'm excited to learn more and excited to hear more about how she got involved with this background yeah. so and what it takes to run and grow a small you know all female led agency yeah i'm sure there are going to be some nuggets that any entrepreneur can take away from this conversation so i'm super excited to talk with her all right let's bring her in Okay, Allison, thank you so much for joining us for this podcast. We're really, really excited to talk to you and to dive in into the world of communications and PR. And what's so great about what you're doing with Palm Communications is you're very immersed in the event space, which we have not had a chance to really dive into or talk to anyone about. And as we're moving out of the pandemic, more and more people are like, bring on the experiences. Yes. And we were even feeling that before the pandemic. So I'm sure you can attest to that. So right off the bat, give us a little introduction as to who you are and what Palm Communications is. And then we'll dive into the event stuff and all the other things. Yay. Well, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be doing this and being on the other side of the interview because usually I'm yeah. setting them up and I don't get to talk. <laughs> Nobody asks me about what I do. Uh, they're just like, Here we go. Yes. That's going to change today. Tables have turned. <laughs> So excited. Um, yes. So Palm Communications, I founded it in 2014. We specialize in public relations, marketing activations, and strategic partnerships. And like you said, you know, a lot of the times those marketing activations manifest themselves in terms of special events. You probably see us most out on the public facing side of what we do through um, events and conferences and, um, you know, things that bring people together. So it's been very nice. I don't want to say coming out of COVID because we're still very much in it, but, you know, it's seen seen hopefully how towards people, the end of it yes i mean at least we're adapting you know what we are adapting yes. in terms of like how events are being produced and, and mm. communicated so it's been really it's been great how else uh has you know strategic communications manifest itself i'm this is not my realm this is definitely yes. ali's realm besides events like what are you know i guess I hate saying the word things because it's like the worst descriptive word ever, but how, what other things <laughs> do forms you, of communication? Yes, forms of communication do you work on? Well, so I mean, that's really taking a deep dive into like mm. our whole toolkit of different tactics that we have. I mean, in our mission, and it varies based on client, is to create meaningful connections for our clients and their key stakeholders. And so it's really determining mm. like what is that, what does a meaningful call to action look like for them? What's going to engage people, move the needle, generate conversation? And so that it can be an event that's the easiest way to, um, mm -hmm. you know, visibly 
create that kind of traction. But, you know, we also do media relations. Um, we do owned communications, which is anything from like social media to newsletters to podcasts, that kind of thing. And everything in between, really. I mean, if it's a communications channel, we we try to be a part of it. <laughs> <laughs> so so it's really unique for each of your clients, correct? Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, if we have a B2B client, those aren't going to necessarily benefit as much from some kind of public facing event or like a, I don't want to say like a stunt or a gimmick because it kind of cheapens what we do, but, um, Mm. you know, something on a big public facing scale because they probably have a very specific target audience that they're trying to reach. So that might be something that's better suited for like thought leadership or, you know, something that goes into trade publications and stuff like that that you don't even see. Mm. So, can you walk us through maybe like, I guess like, yeah, you don't need to tell us like a specific client, obviously, but like an example of what might a client come to you for and how do you walk them through this process from, hey, this is what we what we need to help us do this. Yeah, and uh, maybe like what they're missing too. Well, I mean, I think that's a good question. So what they're missing is, you know, a lot of times people have a lot more going for them than they realize in terms of their own communication channels. So we take a look at what a client is currently doing, right? Like what channels do you have? How are you leveraging Mm -hmm. it? What does the engagement look like? Is it worthwhile for you to be on these channels or are you Mm. just kind of wasting your time? Yeah, where's your audience? Yeah, is your audience there or are you just there because somebody told you that you need to be on TikTok or Twitter or something (laughs) like that? But like, you know- The whole world is telling everyone to be on TikTok. I know, right? I'm like, some people, I'm just like, no, you don't need it. I mean, it's fun to play with and if that's, you know, (laughs) makes you happy. You know, and then there are also key stakeholder opinions as well. So like, you know, sometimes- people have an affinity for a certain method of communication. And again, is that the most effective channel for you to communicate with your audience? Or is it something that like the CEO monitors more frequently, right? Like, are they, do they insist that you need a a wire release or, you know, do you need something that's a little bit less expensive? So um, we evaluate the channels. When we, we have a new client, we listen to what their target audience looks like because it's all about finding people where they are, right? And communicating Mm -hmm. with them on that platform. So we also want to do a deep dive into what the audience looks like, you know, to generate a call to action. And I think that that's one of the differentiators that we really specialize in here is coming up with what a creative call to action looks like for these specific audiences. And yeah, sometimes that's an event. Sometimes that's um, something a little bit simpler. Sometimes it's a a social media campaign or an influencer campaign or a partnership. And so this can manifest in a number of different ways. How are we going to engage it? Because once you have a, a call to action, you can also track the efficacy of what your your output is. I think this is interesting, the, the creative call to action. My mind is kind of spinning right now because if I'm a brand and I'm trying to, you know, get my message out to the world to a specific audience and I don't even know where to begin or how to start, I'm just trying to think from like your perspective, if this brand is coming to you with this problem, how does your creative brain start to turn to be like, this has got to be the best route mm-hmm. for you? And I know everything is situational, but... It is. I mean, we do have a strategic planning process that is that mm-hmm. does create a little bit of a framework for us as we plan. So it does yeah. start with like your key audiences. What are the goals? Are you looking for a specific campaign? Is it time specific? Are you looking for something that has a little bit more longevity that you can repeat year after year? Okay. So basically it's a template, right? So when you go in and you sit down with XYZ client, you're like, okay, so what are your problems? Like, it's like almost like a tree and it'll stem down. And it's like, this is, right. we're going to get to this final bucket at the end end here. And then, and then from there, you kind of go off of, um, yeah, well, and that's how you get the creativity, right? Is that you have this framework and so you're outlining all the key elements that you need. And then we take it back and then we, we brainstorm what these creative tactics and initiatives could be based on the needs, timing, audience, all these different components, right? For example, I'm accredited in public relations. This is, a, this is not something that's proprietary to us. Like every accredited PR professional should be using this planning um, method, but we just to take it to the next level in terms of like that really really strong call to action and like how does that engage and what can we use that's beyond like the basic tactics of we're going to put a press release together and we're going to go on social media and we're going to do like you know like that's standard like that's just a given in my world so I'm like okay what else can we do to supplement this that's actually newsworthy because like you know you've 
worked on the news side of things, you've yeah. probably gotten your fair share of pitches that are like <laughs> a little deflated. So yeah. oh, we try that, and avoid that a little bit. <laughs> right. Engaging that conversation as from the PR side to the, the news side, you know, traditional media of like, what does that conversation look like from someone like yourself to someone like where I was at a station? It's like, if you're, so what, what recommendations then do you have for someone who might be trying to pitch a client to a station or a traditional outlet? Ooh, some media relations recommendations. I, mm. you know what, I will tell you. So we have invested heavily over the past year in our media relations efforts. And I don't mean that in terms of media relations, in terms of pitching stories, but like our mm. personal relationships with our media friends. Just like grabbing coffee with them and stuff? Yeah. yeah. So I mean- 430 Run Club. 430 Run Club. I run with <laughs> Tiff Potter all the time from uh, like Kiss 107. Wizard. Yes, Potter like a wizard. She's a hoot. Thank you for that introduction. Actually, that's Allie because Allie knows everyone. <laughs> that's courtesy of her. No. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, so we started a podcast, um, our own podcast with that intention um, because we wanted to interview and get that FaceTime with our media friends because desk sides, um, desk sides are like this old school PR trick that PR pros used to do. And they would literally go into the newsroom and sit down and like shill stories. It's It huh. seems kind of tacky. It's cute though, right? It's cute. I, cool. I Maybe people still do it, but nobody's let me into their newsroom to like chat them <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it's really hard to get that FaceTime and develop those personal relationships, yeah. but it goes a long way. And we're in the business. Public relations is the business of relationships. So, you know, we, we try to find a creative way to connect with these, you know, these, these media people. And so we started this podcast and we interviewed them. And, you know, just like on the PR side, like, media people don't get a chance to talk about themselves that much, like what they do off camera, how to pitch them too. So there's a little bit of benefit there for the PR people who might be tuning in. And then also for their, you know, the, the hardcore fans, Allie's hardcore fans that want to learn all about what she does for a hobby. So, you know, there, it, there's a multifaceted approach there, but an interesting byproduct of this podcast is that we were able to foster some really meaningful relationships with various personalities in town. And that's actually helped us a lot with our media relations. So I know I'm giving a little bit of the secret sauce is like, it's not just a good story and trying to get it placed, but it's, you know, like treating your media, you know, partners as partners and working with them. Because then if you happen to have a shit story, they'll be like, Hey, it's kind of, it's kind of trash, but like, let's try and work on it together and, you know, see if we can find something that's a little bit more interesting in this situation instead of, yeah. Instead of just like a no, sorry, try again. I mean, and there's still going to be people. That's such a good, that's such a good point though. Right. So how many times then are you with all of these relationships that you've built? And I think it's crazy, right? Because you, you are an agency, like you're you're palm communications, but at the end of the day, you're spearheading these relationships too. So they're going to be, they're going to be looking specifically at you. You, Allison, or the 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 ladies that which we will talk about too, being an all female run PR agency, which is awesome. That's that communication there, but it's still behind the scenes. And how many times are you pitching to a traditional media outlet and you're getting your stories denied and rejected versus how many that are actually getting picked up? Because I think that's also a hard pill to swallow when you're in PR. Well, I mean, I think the nature of the game, like our, mm. like it's, it's so masochistic, right? Like we are constantly getting rejected <laughs> from all fronts. Yeah. And I think that's just, I mean, maybe that's just the, the plight of a beast. business owner, but also, you know, we're at the, the mercy of news cycles, breaking news at any time. Like you can have a slated story or interview and it can have it pulled at any second, you know? And, and so it's really hard to manage expectations for clients, you know, on the client side, you know, but in terms of media relations, I don't know if I have any hard and fast statistics about like what my rejection yeah. versus success rate is. And I don't mean that in a negative way, by the way. I think it's just kind of the reality of like what you said of, gosh, there is just, it's it's so fast and it's constantly moving. If you are in the agency world, I think people could feel very defeated in that sense of, oh my goodness, they're not making the grounds that they Allison, were hoping for. Yeah. You brought up a great point about like it's expectation setting with your clients. <laughs> How do you do that expectation setting? Because people probably think this just happens, you know, 
with like oh. a finger snap, right? And I or love like it. magic. People think I'm magic, and people think I'm magic. <laughs> and so I will talk to people, and they will be like, they will launch into a story the second that they find out that I am in public relations. They will launch into a story, and they will tell me about something that's like deeply personal or interesting or weird. Or I've gotten all <laughs> kinds of things because they think that I'm the tell gate- you their life story. Yes, and they think that I'm the gatekeeper to the media, like I can call up, you know, anybody, I'm going to call up Ryan Seacrest and he's going to be like talking to you tomorrow. And I, you know, I wish that were the case, but I become their therapist. I know it's part therapy and it's part, uh, I don't know what it is. I would like to keep that idea of the client perspective going, right? So if you're a brand and the brand is working with you, what are things that the client should know about what you do? Well, you know, I think that the number one thing is in This goes with, we were talking a little bit before we went on about what PR looks like in the 21st century. And this kind of speaks a little bit to that is that, you know, I think a common misconception about public relations in general is that it's only media relations. And so like, that's a a hill that I'm going to die on forever that it's not, you know, it's just, that's what you see. It's like the sexy part, you know, you're in front of a camera, you know, you're Mm -hmm. in studio. That's cool. But is it, I mean, is it really talking to your key audiences too? Like, yeah, it's cool and it makes you look cool. And every once in a while, it's a fun thing to do. But if your audience is not watching the Fox 19 morning show or, you know, the channel five, you know, four o'clock news, then what's the point of the segment, right? Like our job is to connect with these specific groups of people. And there is no such thing as a general public. You know, we all know this. It's like communications 101. Like you're not actually talking to everyone. You are talking to a specific like group of people that are going to be motivated to do X, Y, Z. So could that also mean, because and then coming back to, you know, the digital world too, right? You think of sponsored content and all of that. Are you, Where do you fall into that bracket? Do you work with creators? Are you creating your own type of content for clients? Or is that kind of, if they create the content, great, then they'll come to you and you'll place it? It's a medley. I mean, every client has their own preferences. Some have um, very mm-hmm. capable departments that can handle creative or they can package it. They can package things well enough that we can pass it along. Other times we have a little bit more of a hand in what that development looks like. So, I mean, it depends on the nature of the relationship. But yes, we definitely work with creators. We work with paid influencers. Uh, you know, I, I think as long as they align with the values of our client and, you know, the audience that we're trying to reach and we can create some metrics and a call to action with it, then, you know, it's not, it's not out of the realm of possibility. So have you noticed a change in the types of channels that you are going after since you've started in PR to now? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not going to say when I started, but I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And I think that this, this also comes with the expectation setting that we were just talking about is that, you know, we want to set expectations that, media relations isn't the end all be all. And oh, hey, media, by the way, doesn't just incorporate like broadcast and print and radio, you know, digital is a viable and extremely viable medium to be using. And if you're neglecting like influencer relations, for example, especially like micro influencers, because they're... they're Explain for people who don't know what a micro influencer is. Explain what that is. I don't remember that the total follower count. I want to say a micro influencer is anyone under 10,000, but I consider it more of just like a hyper-focused influencer. So that would be like, you know, I only talk about beer or I only talk about, you know, enchiladas or whatever, you know, like maybe not that specific, but. Very niche. (laughs) Yes, very niche. (laughs) Um, But then, you know, you're getting to the right audience, right? So that's what's important. When we're talking about other agencies in town as well, because you're a smaller agency, how do you differentiate yourself with Palm Communications from other agencies in Cincinnati? We tend to differentiate ourselves based on our marketing activations. So that goes into events, moments, things that are attention grabbing that are going to produce meaningful conversations. And so people might come to us because a lot of people don't know what that is, right? But they might come to us and be like, hey, uh, we want some media attention for this. And it's like, okay, that's great. Yeah. Do you want a press release or do you want to do something cool? And so, you know, because it's a lot of times yeah. they don't think about it. They just think, you know, oh, a press release and you know people and you're a glorified town crier, whatever. <laughs> and <laughs> hear ye, hear ye. Um, Ring the bell. <laughs> yeah. Some days it feels like that, but we try to avoid <laughs> that. And so, you know, if you want somebody that's going to just do 
shill in some stories for you, that's fine. That's great. But like, what can we do that's creative that's going to move the needle for you and have that call to action? And so it's really calls to important calls to action, marketing activation, sometimes strategic partnerships. How can you collaborate? It's a great way for you to build your audience and not pay for advertising. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's, it's, those, it's that kind of work that really sets us apart because we've really put our stake in the sand in terms of like, this is what we're, we're really passionate and really good at doing. So how important is it then for a PR agency to have their pulse on just what's in, up and coming in the city and what's happening? Because I imagine that's extremely important for you. It is. I mean, it's, I think it's important to be local if you're going to be doing local media relations. Mm-hmm. We have competed with other like national agencies and we've just blown them out of the water in terms of, you know, performance. I know, right? Yeah. I mean, not only here in Cincinnati, but statewide in Ohio, um, you know, just being ingrained in the market and the state and the culture and the the language. And I have a I have a running text chain with one of the reporters in town because she gets these pitches from somebody that's out of market. And she's like, these people are so out of touch. And so there is something to being localized. And it's funny because the big agencies, I say big as in the ones in like New York, LA, Chicago, think that they can come in and steamroll this market. But we, as in me, our agency and the other localized agencies kind of have a laugh at that because it's like, well, you don't actually know us. You don't know what's happening here. And you don't, you, you don't know Cincinnati. And there is value in having someone that's like boots on the ground. That is such a good piece of advice for clients and larger agencies to take with them and take away that, again, know your audience. Let's kind of talk about the pandemic, too, and how brands and clients had to pivot during that time and what you're seeing brands doing coming out of as we're moving, like you said, slowly hopefully out of this pandemic soon. <laughs> I, yes, I can't wait to have that in the rearview mirror. But it was interesting. 2020 was a ride. We had a fantastic year in 2020, Yay. which is good. I mean, it, it, there was obviously, you know, that moment where your stomach drops and you're like, oh, we have a lot of in-person <laughs> things planned. But our clients very, very much pivoted well. We were fortunate in that our client base is diversified. So we were not impacted like some other agencies that only focus on like events and sports and things like that, that don't, um, you don't have a you know, fail safe there. And our clients, um, so our communications in 2020 really focused on updates. It was kind of dry <laughs> in terms yeah. of what we were communicating, um, but it was important, you know, like a lot of them pivoted to a little bit more of a community relations standpoint. So we were doing some more work surrounding like give back programs and nonprofits mm-hmm. and fundraising and that kind of thing to help support the community. So that was good. It's feel good stuff. It's still feel good stuff. And then we were making plans for this year for more in-person events, which thankfully all fell last week as we were talking about yeah. earlier, apparently. Yeah, yeah they. I, it's happy that they were able to make plans to actually have these events be executed. And from your perspective, how are you getting these clients? Because you got to get them on board and you need to make money yourself, right? What does that conversation and what does that look like for you? Gosh, you know what? If I had a silver bullet for that, I, I don't know if I'd share it. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, kidding, I'm kidding. At least you're honest. No. Oh, it's so hard. Um, you know, new business generation is uh, a little bit of a trick, you know, and especially since our client base is somewhat broad, a lot of our best clients have come from referrals thankfully, in the work that we've done. And actually, our involvement, we're, we're heavily involved in the Public Relations Society of America. I'm on the board for them. I'm the accreditation director. And um, so we have very high visibility there, also from our awards that we've won. And that, that's been a huge driver for us, is our involvement there and our profile. So what industries are you mainly working in? We have food and beverage, spirits industries, restaurants, event venues, health, a lot of health and wellness, we have a B2B professional organization and then a couple of other like B2B in the tech industry. So yeah, if I had to put buckets in it, it would be, you know, a lot of like the food and bev, health and wellness, and then yeah, like the B2B bucket. A lot of lifestyle brands. Now, was that by choice for you? I think some of it stemmed initially from my connect, my personal connections. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm really big into running. So a lot of these connections are people that I've met over the years through, you know, participating or volunteering in related events. And then that kind of expanded out into other divisions of health and wellness, including like, you know, psychotherapy and physical therapy and dermatology and stuff like that. So we've, we've hit a lot of different industries broadly within that category. What do you have to tell someone who might want to move into communications and 
you know, I think communications could be a very complicated space. Who would be a good fit for someone in PR? You know what? That's a great question. I laugh at this because I feel like people should be more self-aware. And I say that and I'm probably not very self-aware. Oh. I, You know, I think that it's important to be, you don't have to be a full-on extrovert, but you can't be afraid mm. of people. And mm. the thing is, is that like our job is, yeah, like, yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff involved, but you have to interact with people <laughs> at some point. And you have to interact with the clients and you have to be unafraid to approach the clients either with, you know, disappointing news or delivering disappointing news on behalf of the client. And I don't mean mm. that like I'm a disappointment to my clients, obviously, but I, you know, sometimes stories don't get placed or sometimes they, from a media relations standpoint, they ask a question that you didn't really want to be asked or you weren't prepared for. And, you know, so you have to mitigate, again, client expectations, but also, you know, what's happening, you know, the community, the outbound communications that are happening, because there's always going to be, you know, especially if you've got like a consumer facing brand, you know, there's always going to be a troll or there's going to be somebody that's <laughs> going to be as that latches onto something that you're doing and they don't approve of it because everybody is a keyboard warrior. And yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> so this is actually a great point for us to uh, dive down. Can you give us how was your week last week? You said it was busy, all the events, <laughs> you know, kind of Client you know, expectations. Yes, yeah. they all kind of went happened around the same time. Can, so if somebody was wanting to get into PR, give them a little taste of the craziness that could happen in the <laughs> PR world. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'll just I'll isolate last Friday and Saturday um, because those were particularly interesting days. We went from a kickoff party. We did a media relations, like last minute media relations all morning last Friday for an event that it was Ride Cincinnati, and it spanned Friday and Saturday. Um, it's a cause close to my heart for local cancer research. It's fantastic. If you haven't done it, I highly recommend looking into it. So go check out their website. Yeah, that's right, <laughs> ridecincinnati.org. Yeah, so I don't think they've opened registration for next year yet, but fantastic cause. And they're great. And so they have their kickoff party in the evening. So we were doing last-minute talking points, you know, for all the different speakers. We were making sure that the event venue was set up, that we were going to be getting all of our materials ready for the next day for Saturday. And so then obviously there was the event and we had to make sure that we interacted with several of the key ambassadors who we would be preparing for any potential media interviews that day or the next day, talking to like the key donors and the speakers, the the very important people who are going to be speaking that evening, just making sure that everything for that event went well. Switched to the next day, which was Saturday. That was the day of the ride. Uh, we had to show up at 4.30. We wanted to make Ooh. sure that we had someone, that someone is me, available to serve as spokesperson for any media that show up for lives um, starting at 5 a.m. So we had to be ready to go. You clearly drew the short short stick on that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, nobody else on the board wants to be there that early. Like, I'm like, okay, guys, I see how this goes. I'm like, you guys want to do all the pre-interviews, but then you leave it for me if I, no, I'm kidding. I Got love it. it. Got I love it. it. <laughs> the funny part is I was like one of the, this wasn't this year, but in a previous year, one of the cameramen were like, don't worry. Just, I think he was trying to make me feel better. I'm like, I do this for a living. It's not a big deal. And he was like, don't worry. Nobody's going to see this. And I'm like, don't tell that to a PR no. person. No. My client is standing right there. Yeah. Yeah. It was just me, thankfully. But I was like, why would you say that? Like, this is terrible. I well, I think, well, like I will say devil's advocate it's a way as the cameraman, even though he probably didn't know that you were well-versed in, you know, the camera news speaking world, it's to get people to relax. So I know. people are still watching. Oh, yeah, I, I know, you know, people, to get people, yeah. people freeze in front of the camera. Oh, I yeah. have seen some like just deer in headlights the second that that light comes on and I'm like, come on, speak. Come on. And that just goes back to your comment, too, about working with people and just getting out there, right? So do you have any tips on pushing oneself to maybe be a little bit more extroverted and maybe trying to go for that bigger client? I, You know, I think it's hard. It's a tough thing to force. I, I think you really have to it's almost like you have to jump and build the plane on the way down, honestly, because I mean, yep. I look at, I look at my career yeah, evolution and where I started and I don't think I was particularly confident and nor should I have been maybe not. I was confident. I was just not talented, I guess, in the beginning. You were still learning. Yeah. I, so, yeah. but I think it's, it's, 
a willingness or finding a good mentor who you can really observe. I think if you see someone do it well, that gives you confidence and empowers you because you feel like, you know, if if you see somebody who's really inspiring that you've met in person, that you've seen them work, you can be like, okay, well, I can emulate that style. I can, you know, I can try or at least try and make it my own and, you know, become myself. And honestly, I mean, I'm my mid thirties and I don't (laughs) Um, I don't I love how you just went a little bit you just went a little bit lower on that one (laughs) you know (laughs) I'm in my mid-30s and And looking fabulous by the way (laughs) you can cut one of those out I don't think we need to reinforce that Um, (laughs) but no but like I honestly don't think that I came into this this level of confidence like owning my my brand my own personal brand my own personal like professional Mm -hmm. story until Mm -hmm. the last two years probably and then I was like F it. I'm, you know, I am all in on this. I've been all in on it, but like not on a public facing standpoint. And, Mm. you know, I think it's actually challenged the team as well, like our team to grow into their best, better, best versions of Mm. themselves as well. Because I, you know, like I had this epiphany that I'm like, oh, well, you know what? They're following me. One of them, one of the girls was like, I tapped into my inner Allison the other day and I was like, just like with kids, just like with kids, they're watching you. So, you know, they're counting on me to be this like gregarious, wild, Mm. not wild, but you know, like big person. Yeah. Mm. And so I'm like, well, I have to live up to that. So, you know, do you think all leaders should do that? I mean, like if they're an introverted leader, do you think they just need to push out of their shell too and like show like you got to, you still got to have a personality and meet people and be out there? I don't, you know what? I honestly, I don't know. I can't speak for introverts because I don't know. I mean, there are plenty of successful people who are introverted mm-hmm. and I think that they have probably have a much different perspective. This, like what I just said, probably would terrify them. <laughs> but you're also, it being in communications too, you wouldn't have been able to build what you've built if, probably my guess, my perspective, if you were overly introverted. But I think this is a great segue into talking about your team too, right? I love them. Yeah. So let's talk about your team because it's so, you know, female empowerment. Let's go ladies. Love it. Shout out to all the ladies on your team. And, you know, talk. let's dive into that a little bit more. Talk about how you are being a leader and how you are mentoring them. Because I think, you know, that's so, so important that a lot of folks. I I think Patrick and I talk about this quite a bit. Don't want to speak too much for him, but the millennials now, and and we feel like there's been a lack of mentorship and leadership in a lot of roles in in the corporate culture. And how are we trying to reinstill that? And how are you doing that with your team? Mm, I love it. I've had several people approach me about Palm and say, oh, wow, you're such a, you know, great example of female empowerment and girl power and all these things. And I'm like, wow, it's like, that was not, that is a byproduct of our team. (laughs) I'm very, very, very happy. So you didn't think that through, so you weren't thinking that through when you initially launched it because um, not to totally divert from your thought, but to give, to paint people a picture, what I love about Palm Communications is that you really dove into the aspect of pink, the color pink. And that says a lot in and of itself. From a branding perspective, that says a lot because a lot of people will associate pink with, oh, it's very feminine, it's very soft, but you're bringing it in as very strong and very powerful. So was that intentional when you started the brand? Well, Yes, that part was yes. So mm-hmm. hot I like hot pink. I love hot pink. Like hot yeah. pink. Yes. Um hot pink was one of the key colors of my wedding. I I love it. So <laughs> Um, I'm just like like pink everywhere. That's why I'm laughing. I'm like, wow, that's a lot of pink. Like Barbie dream. Like I live in a Barbie dream house. It's fine. No, um, I'm here for it. I love it. But I I wanted like a punch you in the face pink because I think that it's bold. If you look at like the brand, great Crayola color. Yeah, punch Punch you in the face face pink. I love it. I'm going to submit that for the next like color contest. Yes. It's like, it's something, you know, um, if you look at the brand color wheel, like pink also symbolizes like creativity. Hmm. And I wanted it to be like a bold, but not overly feminine brand. You know, obviously when you have pink, it's, you know, going to naturally, people are going to think it's more feminine, but yeah, I don't think the intention was that was there from the 
you know, female empowerment perspective. I love it and I fully support it and I'm all about it and I embrace it. Yeah. Well, that, that, <laughs> I that can't say us I planned it though. It wasn't planned. So let's, so with that said then, let's kind of go back to, to how you're mentoring and being a leader to these ladies. Well, and you know what? I have a lot of thoughts on this and I have a lot of mm-hmm. thoughts on women in the PR industry in general, because it's funny because I do have an all women team, but that's because there really aren't that many men in communications. And especially there aren't a lot of men in the agency world. I think a lot of them tend to go the corporate route. There are not a lot of men. But what's interesting is that when you look at statistics about the ownership of agencies and the leadership, there are only 30% of leaders and owners that are women in PR. And so the men are at the top, but then but Every the all the people working in the industry, almost, I mean, not all of them, but, you know, almost all of them are women I predominantly. And so, that. you know, I've worked at several agencies and I've had a couple, they were all owned by men, which is, you know, I mean, it's, it's fine. It was great learning experience. Yeah. I enjoy working mm. for small businesses. I love the not agency men, life. No, nope. men. But. <laughs> yeah. But um, you're not kicking me off the podcast yet, Allie. Nope. <laughs> 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 but so, I mean, I think it's a different, it is a different vibe, um, a different perspective. I mean, I don't have a problem with it because I, I know that I've, I skew a little bit more like masculine in terms of like my level of assertion and, you know, whatever. So I, I'm not intimidated by them, but I have seen other women be intimidated by these, you know, like these male leaders in the company. Like one thing that sticks out to me is that one of them once told me, when it's your agency, you can do things differently. So I, I made my own agency. So what are you doing differently? <laughs> I pay a little bit more attention to the emotional well-being of the work environment within the agency world. I think that a lot of it, you know, when you get so caught up in the the brass tacks of it, it's, it's really difficult to like do a little, a temperature check with your team. Um, because mm. at the end of the day, like clients will be assholes sometimes, you know, and mm-hmm. things will not always go to plan. And I think it's really important to know that you are supported. And I constantly say that I'm like, yes, I started this agency, but I support you. I am your support person. I am not, I am here to make sure that you have all the resources, tools, support, whatever you need to excel at your role. Because at the end of the day, it's not just me. Like, yes, I started it. And yes, when people think Palm, they do think me. But it's more than that. It's what, how am I building them to be the best damn PR people that they can be? Do you think, sorry to wait in, like, I guess this could be waiting into a loaded question, social (laughs) issues. But (laughs) but do you think that dynamic of like creating that emotionally supportive environment would be needed or necessary if you had more men involved? Or do you think it would, I don't know, like, would it be different if you had, let's say, team full of men and then you? Or do you think, we'll save this second question for later. Let's just stop for the first one. Like, do you think it would be different? Do you think my management style would be different? Is that Mm -hmm. the question? Yes. And as in, if if she had men on her team? Mm. Yes. Ooh. That's a great question. Go. All right, here we go. We're cooking with gas. You know what? I don't know. I think it would depend on their personalities because I don't want it to be, mm. I mean, I'm not to the point where we're so large that I have like this one size fits all approach, right? You know, mm. and I think everybody should be managed differently anyway. I mean, we're getting yeah. into management styles, but you know, if it's somebody who's a little bit less emotional or need, you know, that doesn't need as much support, then, mm. you know, I think that that mm. my interactions with them would be different with male or female because wait how many people are on your team right now yeah so we have like four people on payroll and then we've got contractors as well so I mean it's a loosely about a team of like six I'm just thinking about like you said everybody reacts differently you know Mm. management styles should be different for everyone individually and as a leader and as a manager hopefully you know there's training involved on how to, you know, execute those engagements and those conversations and those relationships. Do you think the reason why when you were told like, oh, when you manage it, you could do it differently that realistically back in the day and still even I'm sure a little bit now, people just have gotten so used to a certain culture that it's like, oh, this is a one size fits all. Yeah. I mean, I think there are stereotypes about the agency life in general, you know, that we're scrappy, it's high pressure, we have a lot of eccentric creatives, there's a lot of burnout. I mean, and some of these are still true, but I'm trying to lessen that experience here. Like, you know, it's a very high turnover industry. 
in general. Mm -hmm. And so I want to focus on things that are the fulfilling parts so that there isn't that burnout and turnover. And, you know, I don't want to see people walking away from the industry because, you know what, they had a bad client experience or something. Because there is, you know, there is some abuse that we yep. get to, we have to take, unfortunately. So do you, this is the second half of the loaded question. This uh -oh. is perfect, perfect, perfect segue into that. <laughs> do you think it is on the women within the PR industry to learn how to handle those situations? Like you mentioned earlier, one woman mentioned that she was intimidated by like some of the men in the room. Uh, do you think it's on the women or do you think it's on the men to make it be more open or, or is it both? Ooh, great question. Ooh. Patrick, coming with the big hitters. Oh, with the sorry. No, no. <laughs> it I might be. Might... I mean, there's the PR answer. You know, like the 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 PR appropriate answer, and then there's kind of what I think. And I just, I do. I think that. I mean, because that's a that is a heavily loaded question. Because then we're we're getting into, you know, should men have to change? Should the corporate environment have to change? I mean, I can't control, like, from my per personal perspective, like, I can't control what all these interactions look like externally, like, between us mm. and the client, you know? I can coach my team to how to better handle mm. situations. If it were an internal situation, I would never, ever want anybody to feel intimidated by anyone, yeah, mm -hmm. male or female. From an encouragement standpoint or a management standpoint, I would want to provide someone who did feel intimidated with the tools to make them feel empowered, you know, and this, I like that. that's more of like a one-on-one -on -one type solution. Yeah. I don't think it's like something that can be solved across the industry. I think in a perfect world, it would be, and nobody would be intimidated. And I've, Mm -hmm. for better or yeah. worse, I've got a lot of my mom in me who's a really hard-headed woman and she mm -hmm. takes no shit. <laughs> and so I have, I have a lot of that. Yeah, I have a lot of that in me. So I don't put up with a lot of that kind of behavior, but that's me personally. And I know that a lot of other people struggle with, with those feelings. Do you think your team members are learning from that though? I hope so. Hey, that is, is probably the best characteristic I got from mom. So I, was just, <laughs> I, imagine that that, I imagine that's actually helped you quite a bit, right? Yeah. She's a ball buster. And, you know, I think it's made me, she pushed me to do things that I was uncomfortable with when I was little. I did a lot of public speaking competitions. I did, I don't know, she put me in all kinds of nonsense, but like, it, you know, like it was important for me to go out of my comfort zone and know what that felt like you know, she didn't take shit from anybody. And so I do that. And so I think, yeah, it's good for people to see that. Are you hoping and kind of challenging and pushing your team to push themselves out of, outside of their comfort zone? And if you are, what does that look like? I think it depends on what area is outside of their comfort zones. So sometimes mm. it's learning by example, right? Like it depends on how, how green you are to this field. Like sometimes just being in the room and like listening to how a meeting goes, you know, what the flow of a meeting is. Cause that's, I mean, that in and of itself being, is scary for a lot of people, yeah. you know, picking up the phone and having a conversation, like basic things that we take for granted as like basic professionalism is something that's completely foreign to, you know, someone who's just starting out that's entry level. Right. So mm -hmm. a lot of that, that's presence. You know, once you get to a little bit past that, then how do you develop the other key skills needed? Like, you know, delivering sound bites or presenting in front of the client or public speaking, you know, so it's like, how can we develop you into a better leader now that you've mastered like the basic skills? And that's not even talking about like the technical skills that are required to do our job specifically, like writing and, you know, design and stuff like that. So I want to, you know, last few questions here since we're coming up on time. What is one thing that you've learned over your career that you hope, you know, people getting into PR agency life and the, especially like the experiential PR life? Any advice that you would like to implore on them? You know, rejection isn't bad. I mean, you're just yeah. going to get rejected. I mean, especially being a business owner, like I get rejected by potential clients all the time. I get stories rejected all the time. You know, it's not a bad thing. It's how do you move on from that? How do you keep mm. going? So there's a little bit of resiliency that's so important to what I, mm. I do and what we do in the industry. I think that's such a great point with that. Did you ever have a moment where you were like, oh my gosh, second guessing yourself, you know, those big obstacles, but then obviously you're still pushing through. So what got you through that? Honestly, I'd always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Like I've always wanted to own yeah. my own business. This wasn't my first venture. <laughs> I, 
my parents used to fence in the front yard when I was little and I would sell tickets to it. Like I have always been like hustling. Um, So it's something that I always wanted to do. And like once I started and had that taste of success, self-driven success through Palm, I knew where I was exactly where I was supposed to be. I did this at the urging of a former client slash mentor of mine. And she was very helpful and like, no, you got to do this. I'm going to help you. She helped me through like the initial pitching new business process and introduced me to a few prospects and stuff like that. I mean, having someone in your corner that that mm-hmm. has that unwavering belief in you is really important. And that sticks with you when you get to these times when you're like, oh, shit, what am I going to do? Like, this isn't, mm-hmm. you know, going as planned, whatnot. Like, you, there's always there's always a way out. There's always a, a light at the end of the tunnel. I... Love that. I want to kind of end on a lighter note <laughs> here. What do you, you know, see in the future for POM, not only for POM, but maybe also in-person events as we are trudging into 2022 here shortly? Wow, this year's flown by. I know. Uh, <laughs> it's so wild. would love to hear your perspective on what's, what's in the store for you you know what? I just, I want to keep going. I want to um, continue to foster our relationships with our media partners and friends. I think that there's so much that we can explore there. We recently had a brainstorm and and I think that we're going to, we're going to be doing some events on our own behalf, on Palm's behalf to help facilitate those connections. So stay tuned for that because you'll definitely Ooh, be let us know. in the loop. <laughs> that. Um, yeah. So, and it's something, you know, we, we want to really differentiate ourselves from the other agencies in town. I love the other people in this space. We have such talented people in marketing and public relations and communications here locally. I mean, we are truly spoiled. Mm. It, it makes us all better, right? Like mm. I could take it from the point of like, oh, there's so much competition, but there really is, there's enough for everybody in every mm. every market. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's, yeah, I just really want to make our own mark, um, especially in the marketing activation space. Cause I think that that's something that we can own and we do it really, really well. Well, Allison, on that note, that was yes. so great. Thank you so much. This was so fun. And I think you brought such a really great different perspective to the podcast that we truly have not had yet. And I yes. hope that people have been able to learn a lot from you today. Oh, I hope so too. I love talking yeah. about this stuff. So thank you for having me. I never get to tell my story. <laughs> it's so important. It's, and and most importantly, where can people find you, yes. find more information about Palm Communications? Give them the 411. Sure. They can find Palm Communications at palmcommunications.com or Palm PR on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Or my handle is the Poodle Lady, which is a whole other story. Nice. <laughs> we'll save that for the next podcast. <laughs> yeah. Tell them to reach out to you. <laughs> that was a great conversation. I couldn't agree more. I'm a big fan of Allison. I love the fact that she's really taking, you know, the communications industry here in Cincinnati, bull by the horns and running with it. And and as she was saying at the end, she's always been an entrepreneur, selling selling tickets with her parents fencing in the yard. You know, let's <laughs> let's go. And I do think there are there need to be more female led communication agencies. Preach, preach, preach. Well, especially in a city that has some of the best agencies Mm -hmm. in the world. Mm -hmm. Yes, let's be leaders in the hiring and ownership of these agencies. And she clearly is being a leader locally, but also internationally by winning awards, but also by, you know, showing people like you're going to get rejected and being that mentor for not only for her own team, but for others within the industry. So, you know, you're going to get rejected. You're going to have to just keep going. You're going to have to, you know, learn about what the, yeah, Mm -hmm. learn about what the client needs and just, you know, as long as you keep that in mind, you're going to succeed. Bringing up, you know, the point of what the client needs and rejection and just communication in Mm. general, I think communication and PR can be a very confusing industry for those who aren't in Mm -hmm. marketing and communication because it feels very almost aloof, I guess. People like they know they need it, but they don't know how it necessarily works. And sometimes it can be very hard to show results. You know, what does it take to to be a successful agency yeah. and it is not a one size fits all. You brought up a good point. Like for, especially for me not coming from this side yeah. thing this is definitely your wheelhouse. And like you said, I think aloof is the perfect word because I was like 
like what's the end goal here, right? And yeah, a lot of people like myself say, we want this. How do we get there? Mm-hmm. Like someone needs to tell us that because I have no clue. <laughs> That's well, where that the goes, PR communication is That is right. And that goes back to what um, Allison was saying before, like your basic PR template when you're sitting down with a client. And we kind of even talked about this too a little bit with April and Anne with marketing smarts, smarts. When you sit down with a client, you're really trying to figure out who is the audience and what is your call to action? Mm. And depending on those situations is going to depend on where your audience is, you know, and what you want to do with it. Are you trying to rain, raising brand awareness is one thing, or are mm-hmm. you trying to, to get people to physically like interact with a product or taste it or feel it? Or there are a lot of different ways, or are you trying to just get sales? And that's where a PR agency can come in and help in that moment. And someone like Allison. And I think it's great that she's also kind of taking here in Cincinnati more of that experiential space mm. because now as we're slowly moving out of the pandemic, I know, we I'm excited for this. So I, excited me too. For this. Yeah. And I think it's really important. And she's, I think she's got a lot of big things coming for her as she continues to, to grow. I think she's going to be on the forefront because, in my opinion, I think, you know, the businesses that go quicker back to in-person and these more experiential Mm -hmm. events to me are going to differentiate themselves because Ali, I don't know about you, but I'm tired of Zoom and Zoom events. So I'm excited. I'm fully vaccinated. I'm super excited to go out there and (laughs) see people, you know, shake hands, kiss babies, maybe not kiss babies, but maybe shake hands, maybe fist bump. I don't know what, whatever people are comfortable with. And cheers to a really great (laughs) glass of wine. (laughs) Yeah, right. So I'm excited for to see where she goes. Me too. And uh, well, and on that note, as you said, you can find her at Palm Communications. And if you want to look for us, Patrick. You can look for us on any social media platforms, mm-hmm. LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. <laughs> Just search When Pigs Fly and we will pop up. You will see our logo. Also, if you f- listen on Apple Podcasts, like, follow, it's follow now, not subscribing. It's the top so little little plus, plus sign, sign in the right corner. Upper right-hand corner. Make sure you are downloading our episodes regularly. And also rate and review us, please. That helps and goes a long way. If mm-hmm. you're listening on Spotify, you can rate and review as well. And you can subscribe there. So please do so. And download wherever you are listening. It helps out a ton. Please give us your feedback. You yeah. can email us at hosts at whenpigsfly.fm. That is hosts at whenpigsfly.fm. We love hearing from you. And most importantly, don't forget to tell a friend. Exactly. All right, Patrick, on that note, I think it's cheers. Cheers. And here's some necessary legal stuff. Allie Martin and Patrick Bailey developed the When Pigs Fly podcast in collaboration with the Up Company LLC. At the time of this recording, we do not own equity or other financial interest in the companies which appear on this show unless otherwise indicated. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own opinion and do not reflect the opinions of the EW Scripps company and its affiliates or Generator Management LLC and its affiliates or any entity which employ us. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. We have not considered your specific financial situation, nor provided any investment or legal advice on this show. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. We also want to give a shout out to Claire and Christian of Moonbow. They're the two artists of our intro song, which is so catchy and gets stuck in our heads all the time. So bop over to Spotify or wherever you find your music and give them a listen. And Like the Night by Moonbow is courtesy of Silver Lake Sync. <laughs>